Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 56th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and my guest co-host this week was my guest co-host on my very first episode. My guest co-host this week is Claire Millay. Hello, Claire. Hi, Liam. I'm, like, so excited to be back. It was such an honor to be your first guest, and I'm so happy to be back. It's crazy. I can't believe yeah. it. So I have to say, so, um, and one of the reasons why I covered this case on my very first episode um, was because every time that um, that I meet someone new who who, lis- who just started listening to the podcast, they listen from the very beginning, and they are so, like, floored by the Ray Rivera case, which is an insane case, obviously. Um, but I have to say, <laughs> though, too, that they loved you and your input uh-huh. and, you know, our, you know, us going back and forth. And so y'all are in for a treat for round two, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, if you haven't listened to episode one, like, first of all, how did you even get to episode 56? But like, <laughs> go all the way back and listen to, to the very first episode of Crime Over Wine, because I still like that case still keeps me up at night to this day. It does me too. I, I cannot wrap my mind around it. And um, I'm so glad to hear everyone loved our episode. I want to give a huge congratulations to you, Liam. I can't believe, oh. like, I shouldn't say I can't believe, but it's just like incredible <laughs> yeah. how I know. like far this I know. Podcast, podcast has come and I absolutely love it. So I know. And, and you know, what's crazy is like, so, and cause like, again, when we first started this podcast and it was, you know, it, for the first, like f- up until like very recently, right. It was just like my really close friends, my really close family who were like listening to it on a regular basis. Um, and then like recently I started realizing and noticing that like, people who I had no connection to were suddenly listening to the podcast. And so shout out to everyone in the Crime Vineyard because it has grown so much. Um, we're doing a lot of good things, um, which is really what this podcast is all about. It's all about, you know, giving back and, and you know, giving voices to people and, and you know, and doing good. Um, and we're doing that. So yeah. cheers to us. And you helped start that. So thanks, Claire. <laughs> oh, thank you, Liam. No one, seriously, I don't think anyone else could pull this off better. The amount of research oh, well, thanks. that goes into oh. it is awesome. It's incredible. Well, Thank you. You're the bomb. Um, Let's celebrate that with a bottle of wine. Perfect. Let's do it. So this week we are drinking Seven Moons Red Blend. It celebrates the phases of the moon with seven enticing flavors that reveal a smooth, fruity, easy-to-drink wine with notes of dark berry, cherry, raspberry, mocha, baking spice, vanilla bean, and coffee. Um, And so, again, Red Blend wine that we're talking about here, not usually typically the kind of thing we go for. We, we, you know, are drinking on Crime Over Wine um, because we usually, tip, you know, stick with, you know, the, the, the you know, named wine brands, I suppose. I don't know what the what word you call that. <laughs> um, but, you know, but so so this is so we're 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 interested in, in seeing how this is going. Do you typically yeah. do you typically drink drink red blends at all or um, I do? I love red blends, but I'm kind of a Pinot Noir snob. I have to say that's my favorite mm. varietal. But the description description of this one sounds really good and I have been holding off taking a sip until we do it together because I think last time I just went for it and kind of ruined the surprise. (laughs) I do do remember that I do remember (laughs) that I actually distinctly remember um you know going to going to cheers and yours already being drank out of um which listen I respect 100% I just couldn't make it this smells so good it is torture so yeah I am very excited for this um well I am I'm going as fast as I can here Claire okay yeah come on (laughs) clock Uh, is ticking it's after five (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Claire Molay is the only person um, who can beat me to a to a glass of wine. Um, I feel pretty confident saying that. Um, so that it takes it takes a special person for that. So cheers true. to you, Claire. Thanks cheers, so much for coming Liam. on. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Very fruity. Oh, very smooth. Oh, I really okay. Like, like first you. Oh, the vanilla that, bean. Um, first you get the fr- whoa. Now I just got the coffee. You get the fruit. Yeah. And then you get some of the like vanilla and baking. And then at the very end, I got that strong mocha. Coffee. Yep, you're so, so right. Good. The mocha in the back of the mouth, the coffee in the back of the mouth for sure. It's very um, fruit forward. Um, lots of dark berry, cherry, raspberry, all that's very mm-hmm. much so in the front of the mouth. But then it's kind of interesting because let me take another sip because I need to figure yeah, out a way to describe this. Because it's, it, whoa, it's like a whole experience, too, for yeah. sure. Because it's like the fruit's in the front, and then you get a little in the middle with the, with the um, I feel like the vanilla bean, mm-hmm. the baking spice. All the way in the back, like way back in the back of the mouth, you get coffee and mocha. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, like that's kind of like the order of operations here. I'm getting the same thing. And then if you kind of like smell it as you drink, there's a little bit of an earthy aroma. Honestly, this is mm. so. You're right. This is so good. And it was really yeah. affordable. And I Very love true. like any red wine that has a tart cherry on the forefront is yeah, like my favorite right. thing but yeah yeah i usually don't again everyone knows i usually don't go for fruity wines i like i do like a smooth a smooth red for sure mm-hmm. um but i usually i don't go for blends this i am really thoroughly enjoying it which is kind of surprising me honestly because it's usually even just tasting it's not the kind of wine that i'm going for, that i usually drink um or like um but this one though i am feeling all of uh, like all of those flavors are coming together very yeah. very nicely in a great experience. I haven't had one that's like such a complete experience without. Um, Correct. Yeah. Like being overbearing, it's so good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a, it's a very good balance. Mm-hmm. You're definitely right about that because sometimes you have all those flavors and it really just takes up a whole lot of space in your mouth. That's not the case here. No, it's so so good. It's like almost refreshing at the same time, which is anyway. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. Well, speaking of refreshing things, Claire, mm-hmm. um, the case that I have for you this week, not refreshing. Okay. Um, weird transition, but very, very true, though. Um, yeah. You know, I have to tell you um, a story that just doesn't sound very fair, frankly. The circumstances that surround this investigation seem to be right there, but there is so much that we just don't know still that make for a really frustrating outcome. So get ready. Okay. This week, I want to tell you the story of Alonzo Brooks and the ride home. In 2004, Alonzo Brooks was 23 years old and was a classic mama's boy. He was the youngest of five kids, and he was the good child. Just a really good energy, really social and easy to get along with, and pretty mild-mannered, and had a really great sense of humor, too. He was known to be the prankster of the family. He was always playing just really well-meaning jokes on anyone he was able to, just that kind of guy, Claire. Mm -hmm. Alonzo, or Zoe, as the people who loved him called him, grew up in Topeka, Kansas, but moved to Gardner, Kansas, not too long before 2004. Now, Gardner is a small city, large town kind of place, about 30 minutes southwest of Kansas City, basically a suburb of the large Midwestern city. But it's far enough removed that it's still 
fairly rural or at least close to the rural parts of Kansas. So on April 3rd, 2004, Zoe and the rest of his friends had heard of some parties going on in Lacine, Kansas, which is about an hour south of Gardner in a very rural part of the state, and it's not very particularly racially diverse either. But it wasn't the area of the state that Zoe's family was kind of surprised to hear that Zoe wanted to go to for this party, but instead it was the fact that Zoe wanted to go at all. Because as social as he was, he wasn't really one to, you know, be at parties, specifically not with people he didn't really know all that well. He did know his friends really well, but to be clear, but not the people actually throwing the party or the people who were going to be there, at least from a large standpoint. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, um, especially not even knowing who's throwing the party. Like, it just makes me wonder if there was... I'm waiting to hear, like, something else enticing him. I also just want to quickly say the nickname Zoe is adorable and i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they like exclusively call him that too um every time that they mention him too so we'll be going to be we're going to be calling him that quite a bit in this podcast as well um but yeah i mean so again and it it, like um somebody's like you know like typical behaviors right really really important but you know in this type of situation right like you know like he was you know young he was you know you know hanging out with his friends you know doesn't really Mm -hmm. seem like that much of a stretch to me anyways that like you you hear about a party and you know regardless of who's throwing it like sure like i'll show up yeah let's go i mean if my family heard of me going to some random party they'd be like what is going on correct right correct like who's dragging you there or do they have a gun to your head yeah Yeah, that's fair definitely me too and like you know but again so even to the point where like the way that they described zoe was you know that even at like family parties he was kind of just one to hang out in the corner like on that like hug the wall kind of thing and just like stand there to like watch everything kind of happen he wasn't Mm -hmm. really much to like you know, be in large groups of people all that much, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, like kind of I don't really know how much I believe that, frankly, only because like of what kind of we're about to talk about um, with kind of what goes on at the party, mm-hmm. um, because, again, like as much as you want to believe that you like know like your son or your brother or your like close you know family member you don't really know them, right? Like, you know them yeah. in your context of your family. You don't know them, what you're, what they're like around, like, they're, like, they're really close friends who, like, are kind of wild, you know? Right, especially when you're at a party. Right. So, all right. right. Well, I'm excited yeah. to hear what happens next. Yeah, well, you know, Zoe was going to the party with three friends, and they take two cars total to make the hour-long drive down to Lacine. Now, Zoe was not driving. He actually got a ride from a friend who said that he was going to drive Zoe back from the party, too. And the reason why this arrangement kind of came about was because Zoe, um, you know, couldn't drive, actually. According to reporting from Kansas City Magazine, he just never learned how to drive. He never had any need or interest in doing so, never had a license but you know either way regardless of why he never had a license alonzo and the three friends get into their cars and drive the hour long drive to lacine into this house now a little bit about this house though claire it's kind of important i think it's actually at a farmhouse the that the people who are throwing the party are renting and it's on this pretty big property that backs all the way up to like this really small creek stream kind of situation when the guys show up to this house there are about a hundred people there apparently according to some reporting but the guys later say in an episode of netflix's unsolved mysteries that they think it was probably more like 50 to 60 but neither here nor there i suppose point being 50 
defeat mm. 100, a lot of people. Yeah. The people who are going to this party reportedly range in age from 16 to 25-ish mm. and are mostly from the town surrounding Lacine. But there are actually a good amount of people from Gardner where the guys are from. But Gardner, again, is slightly more of an urban suburban area, whereas Lacine is more of a rural space. So the guys and the rest of the people at this party, you know, from Gardner are, you know, pretty much sticking out like a sore thumb pretty much right away. And again, I'm not totally sure about like what the connection was, like who knew who at the party. Like, I don't really totally mm-hmm. understand. I'm assuming that at least one person from this group knew somebody who knew somebody who was throwing the party. Don't totally 100% know, though. But, you know, Zoe is sticking out even more so, right? And, you know, Alonzo is on the older end of the scale for this crowd for sure and his friends are even slightly younger than him by about a year or two but alonzo is also one of the only few people of color at this party according to law enforcement alonzo is one of only three black men at this entire party of anywhere from 50 to 100 people okay well so does that seem to be a problem among the people throwing the party did he feel uncomfortable well, you know, it's not totally clear if it is for the people throwing the party. And again, to be honest, like, we never actually even really total get total clarity around who those people even are exactly. But it's definitely an issue to someone, Claire. But we're going to get back to that a little bit later on, so definitely hold that thought. Okay. But the party goes on. Everyone seems to be having a really good time, especially Alonzo. Even, you know, everyone is mingling, playing drinking games, having an overall good time, which, again, is kind of what we were talking about before about, you know, how I'm not, how I don't really know if I 100% believe what the family is saying about his, you know, ability to interact in a large group of people because he doesn't really mm-hmm. seem to be having much of a problem based on these stories that I'm hearing um, and reading about. Right. Um, concerning this party, so take that with a grain of salt, I suppose. But, you know, at some point, that good time takes a bit of a turn for the worse, because one of Alonzo's friends ends up having his back toward Alonzo, chatting away, when suddenly he hears Alonzo getting into it with some other guy at the party. As this friend tells Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries, the friend turns around just in time to see it get physical between the two guys. The friend, along with some other partygoers, break it up, separate the two guys, and the party goes on, everyone goes about their separate ways. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I've definitely seen like two guys get into it at a party before and then you're like, okay, well, right. we just move on. But I'm yeah. guessing that's not going to be the case here. Right. Right. Well, ki- actually, kind of it is, Claire. Okay. At least and there's it, it a little bit of, you know, murkiness around what exactly how this fight kind of came around mm-hmm. and what kind of happened about it. Um, But in, in, we have a theory a bit. So hold that thought. We're going to okay. pick that right back up a lot later on. But but to your point, though, like, again, like everyone just kind of like goes about their business. And so mm-hmm. like everything's kind of cool. Um, Again, kind of a weird situation, because like if I saw a fight happening at a party, I would probably leave. But like, that's just me. Right. Yeah, but... I don't know. I probably honestly, if it cleared up, I'd be like, all right, well, whatever (laughs) maybe it's a good idea yeah (laughs) yeah 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 i mean i don't know it just escalates at some point yeah it depends how bad it is and what it's about i guess so yeah yeah that's fair um, but about an hour into the party, the friend who drove Alonzo to the party, which, again, is like, it's kind of confusing. And we're not using names because I don't really feel like we have to, um, in my opinion. Um, but it's a different friend than the one who saw the fight break out. You know, that uh, a totally different person, but the same friend who drove Alonzo to the party. So three friends. We're talking about, at, least, at this point, two different friends. Okay. Um, that friend, the one who drove Alonzo to the party, ran out of cigarettes and decided that he was going to go get some at a local store. He even told Alonzo what he was going to do and said he was going to re- be right back. Everything was fine. Alonzo was totally okay with it. 
But that friend apparently ended up taking a wrong turn to the store. And as he was driving on the gravel roads trying to find this store, he soon realized that he was, like, totally lost. And then he got stuck, actually, and was unable to get his car out. So he called up another friend and told him what had happened and asked him if he was going to be able to look out for Alonzo and give him a ride home back to Gardner while he figures out what was going, what, how he was going to get home. Hmm. Now, the friend apparently agreed to this whole arrangement according to the friend who got stuck, but it evidently somehow got lost, probably because of alcohol, sure. But because shortly after the friend had gotten stuck on the road and made that call, a bunch of people hear of a different party, and they leave, including that friend, but they did not end up bringing Alonzo. Weird. I mean, I have a few thoughts. Like, my first thought was crazy. We're looking back, you know, just a couple decades and it's like, oh, you couldn't even use Google Maps. Like if you're lost in the night, you're right. lost in the night. And that's just, you know, it's just weird right. how much we've... Well, and like, even if you did, I would imagine probably not great service. And like, yeah. you know, so there's a lot of factors to be had, right. right? Right. And then yeah. my other thought was, it's interesting that if his car was stuck, that he wouldn't ask that friend to also come give him a ride somewhere so he could figure it I, out. Or You know, I had this same thought, but then I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, he didn't want to be too much of a nuisance. Maybe he could figure it out. Like, you know, and also, mm-hmm. like, the fact that, like, guys are guys, right? Like, guys are prideful and, like, don't want to ask for help. Like, don't yeah. want to ask for directions. Don't want to ask for help getting your, <laughs> right. your car unstuck. Um, so, But I, I had the same thought. I was like, it feels like maybe come help me. Yeah, you know, like I don't know. That's odd, and then obviously the big, yeah, obvious red flag at the end is they never brought Alonzo. Like, right, and again, like the circumstances here are so murky, right, in mm-hmm. terms of like who said what, when, how. You know what I mean? And so, um, so and I don't really know, and like alcohol's involved, of course, and so that makes everything even more murky, right? Um, but like, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me like how he communicated this plan to the friend and how if if the friend did agree to it like how it didn't get end up getting followed through on like it, it nothing mm-hmm. really makes a whole like how did how did how did no one get in touch with alonzo to be like hey we're leaving come on you know what i mean and yeah. like and so and like it seems as though like the only friend in my opinion right who's like actively looking out for alonzo and like his best interest wants to make sure he's okay leaves and gets stuck i don't know i just it, yeah. it's all just very odd to me it is very odd. I would also think that at a big, huge party like that, like someone else would have cigarettes. Very good point. Very, very good so, point. I yeah. Listen, I don't know. I don't have any like specific reason to be like suspicious of this friend necessarily, but okay. this story is odd, right? Like yeah, it's just it's just a odd. weird, like perfect circumstances. Again, like we're gonna about to get to what happened to Alonzo, but like the fact that like, whatever happened to Alonzo happened during this perfect set of circumstances doesn't sit well with me it's weird and the fact that it's a you know a lot of drinking going on is it's completely true like these people might not have even clearly remembered exactly how all of this right so correct correct very good point yeah you know but with all of that confusion and the different groups and the fighting the rest of the night of the party is mostly pretty blurry and unclear unfortunately so but you know the next day comes along and we're back at alonzo's house now his family is going you know getting going for the day and his mother decides to check in to see how he's feeling and see how the party was but as she creaks into his bedroom it's totally empty 
There's no sign of Alonzo. It looks just as it did before he left for the party. Now, not totally alarming, right? Like, maybe he crashed at a friend's house, but a mother's intuition is unique and sharp. And so, as the day went on with still no word from Alonzo, she starts calling around to his friends to see if they had heard from him. And they all hadn't either. And as they start trading notes, they realize that Alonzo, according to all of these people, had never made it home from the party. Oh my gosh. That's so terrifying in the line about, you know, a mother's intuition. That's so true. I just can't imagine how she would feel that day. Mm-hmm. Calling and he never made it home. Yeah. And then I'm almost like, did he actually go? But I'm probably getting way out of myself. Yeah, he, he was he there. Okay. He was definitely there. Okay. Um, but, you know, the friends at this point realized that the plan to make sure Alonzo had a ride back home from the party had fallen through somehow. And they were all just assuming the other one had him. But none of them really did. So after a while of not being able to get in touch with Alonzo and not hearing any news about his whereabouts, the family decides later that afternoon that they are going to drive down to the location of the party to find him themselves. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. I'm Michelle Heron. And I'm Heather Holly. We're the host of Crime Over Wine Weekly, a brand new show keeping you up to date on the latest news in the true crime world. Every Sunday, we'll share our take on the cases that are making headlines because we know you want to know as soon as we do. You can find your new true crime and wine obsession now wherever you get your podcasts. Crime Over Wine is sponsored by BetterHelp. As someone who's used therapy for years, I know that finding a therapist can sometimes be a stress on its own, juggling your full-time job, your family, your friends, your podcast, and trying to find the right therapist on top of that can almost feel impossible. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp matches you with a therapist that works for you on your terms. It's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to one of 33,000 licensed professional therapists in as little as a few days. And because finding a new therapist is a lot like finding a new bottle of wine, if you don't jive with your therapist, you can easily switch to a new one at no additional cost. You can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com slash crimeoverwine. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crime over wine for 10% off your first month. Join over 4 million people who decided to get help and get happy with BetterHelp. Alonzo's family drove down to the farmhouse where the party was held with pits in their stomachs, not sure what they would find. They made that hour-long drive, feeling stressed and worried, and they drove further and further away from the urban areas and out toward the rural farmland where Alonzo was last known to be. And when they showed up to the house, they walked up to the door, gave it a knock, and there was no answer. So they knocked again. Still no answer. So after a few minutes, they walk around the property to see what they could find. They peer into the windows and still find nothing. It was empty. And not even in the way of, like, whoever lived there just, like, ditched everything. I mean, it didn't even look like a party had taken place there the night before at all. Oh, my gosh. That gives me chills. Yeah. And makes me wonder, you know, was this pre-planned? Like, why did they rent this giant random house? And then abandon it. Yeah. Well, and like, so, and so what I gathered from this, right? So I have a, a lot of different thoughts about specifically what you just said there. Cause like, 
I read it at first of like like a rental as in like someone um like like a rented house like mm-hmm. you rent an apartment you rent a house right yeah. like um that's how that's how I like a long term rent and so but then then as I was like reading more into it I was like okay am I misunderstanding this like I'm still not totally clear on it like am I misunderstanding this like, like was this something that you could rent like an Airbnb like back in the day right like that kind of thing like yeah. is it, like could they have just rented the, the this house just to throw this party is that possible mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure like it's it's not rentable like for that purpose right but like i'm wondering if they had the capability to do that yeah that was my initial thought but i get where you're coming from too because it is a rural area so it'd be a weird place to have a vacation rental or an airbnb but yeah well and definitely before airbnb and mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff but like still those existed you know what i mean so yeah i don't know it's just it's just very it's just odd and then again so the fact that they're just like out like the next day is kind of odd if if they were long if they were renting this long term right so i don't know and like and like to be clear so i'm I'm jumping ahead here a little bit but like i think it's worth it worth it since we're talking about this so at some point i read that they were that in at some point in this whole entire process the um that the people who were renting the home um were evicted Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that, that wording, they were evicted from the house. Okay. And so, um, it, it, for reasons I'm not totally clear on, um, it could be maybe because they found out they had this big party. It could be because maybe they found out, um, you know, other things that again, we're going to, going to get to, um, that like brought negative attention to this property. Um, and so, so, but I don't think, it, I don't, I can't imagine that any eviction would happen that quickly unless it was like super under the table kind of rental you know what i mean yeah that makes me wonder that does sound more like a like a lease type of renting thing Mm -hmm. um right right yeah it's just weird again like the information here is kind of like is very clear in some places and very unclear in other places and this is just one of those places i i kind of lean more on that it was like a lease that it was like something that you had long term Mm -hmm. but like again then how did you show up to the house and like have everything kind of like i don't know it's just odd but you know again like like really suspicious and you know kind of spooked out of their minds they continue looking around this massive farm property to see if they could find any hints or clues or more specifically any sign of alonzo and they didn't find anything at first not on the whole property but again the more they look and the less they see the more anxious they get and the more their inner detectives in them come out and so they venture to the back of the property toward that creek where the property extends out to. And as they make their way back there and toward the banks of the creek, they see something that catches their eyes and as just a little bit out of place. It's a pair of shoes. And as they get closer to them, they realize that it's actually a pair of boots. But they're not just any boots. They know without a shadow of a doubt that those boots belong to Alonzo. And not too far from where they find the boots is a hat that they also know that Alonzo had owned. Oh, spooky. And I just have to say, our first episode, there was a mysterious pair of Mm flip-flops. Now we have a mysterious pair of boots. You're so So. right. Yeah. Right. Well, again, like, red flag of the century, right? Like, you can't get... You can't get anywhere without, without your, your shoes. boots like you get away without with yeah you can get somewhere without your hat certainly but like where are you going without your boots like sure drunk people again like let's keep all that in 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 this kind of context but like you're you're not get you're like i can't imagine being so drunk that you disappear without, without your shoes your boots. 
Um, so, you know, freaked out entirely, they call the Lynn County Sheriff's Department to try and report Alonzo missing, and they are frustrated, as we all are going to be, when they're told to wait 24 hours to report him missing, that he was likely just, quote, doing what kids do and just walking around, and that they should call back once a full 24 hours had passed since the last time Alonzo had been seen. And they're, you know, irritated by this, like we all are, because there's no way that someone missing their shoes didn't mean that they were in danger, but whatever, the 24-hour mark was just a few hours away by this point, so they wait until then, call back, and the sheriff's department takes the report, and they launch a search and a full-blown investigation into Alonso's disappearance. They search the full property thoroughly by land using canines, and even end up launching helicopter searches, and they search through that creek, which was really only about three feet deep at the absolute most in, like, the deepest part of this creek. According to what a leader of the search crew said on the uh, that episode of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries. But as that search continued, the family felt really uneasy about its extent, saying that they were being told that they were, that they, you know, were doing what they could, but just didn't, they just didn't buy that 100%, didn't think that was through. You know, take that as you may, you know, families get frustrated by searches all the time, but like, for whatever reason, they seem to really think that this was just an inadequate search. Yeah, that poor family. I mean, obviously we hear this with pretty much every one of these cases, but I just, I don't even know how people get through that, waiting that. And yeah. So I completely understand. And yeah, the creek is interesting because you automatically think, oh, maybe he fell in the creek or got thrown right. in the creek. But three feet deep, I can't even imagine it would have like a strong enough current. No, it's definitely not. No, definitely not. Yeah. And, and they make pretty clear that they're like, we like we would know if he was in here. And yeah. so and they believe, seem to believe pretty strongly that he wasn't um, and like for sure. And um and. Like, again, so we're going to get to, like, a part here that, like, maybe gives a little bit more context into why they don't really think that it was a it was a strong search, but we will get there mm-hmm. in a second. Okay. So, like, uh, during this time, what were people saying about Zoe and what could have happened? Like, there has to have been, like, some gossip or chatter. Oh, for sure, gossip was running around this town, for sure. But, you know, in the meantime, investigators were questioning Zoe's friends and the people renting the home and others who were known to have attended the party. And throughout this this investigation, no one fessed up to anything and no one seemed to know what exactly happened to Alonzo. They do somehow end up substantiating the friend's story about getting stuck on that his way to pick up some cigarettes, or at the very least, they had no reason to question it necessarily. Again, I'm side-eyeing that slightly, but, like... They are the experts, I suppose. But they do actually start hearing some things about that fight that I told you about, Claire. And they do also hear something about some goings on at the party that may have led to that fight. Investigators hear that Alonzo was seen flirting with a white woman at the party. Now, they were never able to fully identify her or really share anything about her, but it is possible that that somehow contributed to this fight, where apparently, as investigators are now learning, a racial slur was uh, said to Alonzo. Okay. I was hoping that wasn't the path we were going down, but unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it sounds like it it might be... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, so we so like the racial undertone here is pretty strong, right? Mm -hmm. Because they they make very clear that, you know, of the hundred people at most that that are at this party, three of them are black, um, you know, and, and they bring this up. And so so point and like, again. Like I hate to stereotype here, but like rural area of, yeah. of middle America, right? And so it like it you know the the stereotype is a stereotype because it 
at some point is true, right? And so, right. um, so point being is so they there was there was some friction, and so um, you know, and and two, I have to say, like, and like a black man from like a from a more urban part of 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 the country, right? Like probably you know at the very least like draw drew out like like the ugly side of like the ugliest person right 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 and who knows if he was hitting on this woman or not but that's just a recipe for disaster between any two guys at a party drinking correct yeah and i don't know and i don't know if like maybe that guy like we don't really know about the other guy who who alonzo was seen fighting with um so we don't really know if like that maybe was his girlfriend's like or maybe was Mm -hmm. some girl that he was trying to like flirt with also it's very unclear yeah I'd be nervous if I was the guy who got in a fight with him and then he went missing. <laughs> Fair, right? I mean, suspect number one. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, unless he had something to do with it, which then it makes sense. Right. But, you know, a month went by since the night of the party. And at some point after that, the people who were renting the home, again, like we were talking about, had been evicted for reasons that aren't totally clear. Maybe to do with the party. Maybe to do with the fact that the, you know, the house was now ground zero of a missing person search. Maybe something else. Again, who really knows? But also at some point in the month after the search began the official searches had waned down much to the dismay and frustration of the family who were confident that there was some clue of what had really happened to alonzo on the property they just hadn't found it yet and so about a month after the night of the party on may 1st 2004 the family decides to organize their own search they get permission from the police and the property owners to conduct their own search and about 50 volunteers had shown up to support it They get into formation and start searching the property, and just under an hour into the search, they make a horrific discovery. Hello, Crime Over Wine listeners. I am Rachel. And I'm Heather. We are the hosts of Like Mother, Like Murder. We bring you the good, the badass, and the crime. Each week, we bring you stories from missing and murdered to survivors and women who empower you. And of course, some mom talk sprinkled in. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts at Like Mother, Like Murder. And give us a follow on social media so that we can say hi. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Get ready for that big test with Study.com. Study.com offers learning materials and test prep, even LSAT study prep guides for all of my legal nerds listening. Unfortunately, there aren't any wine study guides, and believe me, I did check. Listeners can get 30% off their first three months of any subscription level using the promo code CRIMEOVERWINE. Again, that's promo code CRIMEOVERWINE, no spaces, for 30% off your first three months at Study.com. Learn faster, stay motivated, study smarter with our sponsor, study.com. All right, Claire, how's your wine tasting? Oh, delicious. Nothing goes better with a good unsolved crime story than a good glass of wine, as you yeah. are an expert in. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, you know, I am not an expert in a whole lot of things, but wine. Well, mm-hmm. I don't want to say wine. Crime and wine, one of the one of the things pairings. that I feel like I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You hear well, about food pairings, but this is. <laughs> uh, correct. Yeah, yeah. Different kind of pairing for sure. No, but it's it's actually kind of mellowing out a little bit. Um, And, and you know, kind of what we we're talking about at the beginning of the episode where, like, I feel like the, the differentiation of flavors um, was pretty distinct. I'm actually kind of getting them mixed up 
a lot, um, which is kind of interesting. I'm not really getting them as distinctly in the front, middle, and back of the mouth mm-hmm. as much. I could kind of see what you mean, and I was just kind of thinking it was because I I had never tasted it before, and now I'm getting a little bit more used to it. But I, I think yeah. you're kind of right. I wonder if there's some science behind that. Yeah, well, that that's part of the, the aeration process, right? That's why you let your wines breathe, um, is because then the, it allows the oxidation to um, kind of smooth out a lot of the flavors, like round out the edges almost, kind of think about it that way. Okay. Um, so it, it, it actually does make uh, make a decent amount of sense. Um, and so that's kind of why I like not letting my, my wine aerate mm-hmm. as much, um, because, I, um, because I like kind of experiencing both and you know eventually kind of getting to because you get a lot more of those distinct flavors if you like mm. the second you open it okay. um and so i like kind of letting it like seeing what it's you know what it tastes like when you first open it versus what it's actually supposed to taste like and kind of seeing that transition over wow i mean as much as i've drank wine i have never act- i knew about aerating but i never really actually took the time to sit and what the difference was i just know that this is really easy to drink and i am trying to take it slow because i could probably drink this that's fair no it is it is definitely it's it's a tasty one for sure and it's definitely it's very easy to drink too which Mm -hmm. is um which i feel like for reds um specifically i feel like red red blends um like it's like one of the ones where you want to sip on this is one i'm like like big gulps but it could also be you claire it could also be you (laughs) or this case it could be the week i've had plus this case (laughs) very fair um it could also be it could be the definitely the case for sure because Mm -hmm. i feel like i need more wine to like make sense of this thing right it's almost like a nervous reflex A little bit. Well, I mean, not that I need an excuse for it, um, but (laughs) you're definitely not wrong about that. Um, Let's dive back into it because right before we left, um, the search was really kicking up, and they made they they found something. The horrific discovery. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, you know, again, just to reiterate, less than an hour into the family-driven search for Alonzo, they find him in a brush along the banks of the creek, dead. He had lost his boots, and that signature hat he was always known to wear was gone, too. Oh, my gosh. That is a horrific discovery. I mean, I guess the search is over, but you have so many remaining questions. Well, and again, like, to find, like, by his family who, like, really, like, it's not their jobs to organize a search, right? And so, like, like, sure, you you do it because you feel like you have to, um, but, like, they shouldn't have had to, right? Because it really should be the investigators and the search crews, the professionals. Yeah, they found that in an hour after the search crews are saying there was nothing. That's, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is a little ridiculous. Well, yeah, and again, it puts a little bit of credence into into what they were saying before about, like, we don't think that the search is adequate enough. Well, here's your proof. These amateurs and volunteers found what you were looking, what you spent a month looking for. They found it in less than an hour. Right. Um, so I see that I see where they mat, why they're mad, mm-hmm. right? At least on, on, the, on the surface level, right? Because it's like we we had to do this our freaking selves because you guys weren't doing their jobs from their perspective. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, it, right. Like I'm like they have police dogs. The dog should have found that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know anything. Well, but I just it doesn't make yeah. sense. Well, and again, keep this all, like, it, we are going to talk about all this toward the end of the episode because there's okay. a good bit to, to discuss here. Um, so definitely, but keep this detail in your back pocket. Definitely okay. hold it because we are going to bring it back for sure. 
Um, but, you know, the family, from their perspective, right, like, heartbroken, confused about how Zoe could have been missed by trained professionals who had allegedly searched this area thoroughly multiple times. He was down a bank near a creek, sure, but he wasn't really well hidden at all. Plus, investigators had said that they searched the creek several times, right? So, mm-hmm. at this point, they had become their own investigators, frankly. So, they had to somehow find the courage to take their own photos of the scene, including Alonzo's dead body. Body and to look around the area for any more clues. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Yeah. After seeing that. Oh. Yeah. And again, like, like, this is not something, like, this is not their job, but like, and so think about how it must feel to like, feel like you have to do this if you want, like, if you want to do, if you want to investigate my son's death, right? I'm going to do it myself. Like, what? Like, imagine having to feel that way. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that range of emotions and anger and frustration Mm -hmm. and devastation that's awful so what did the police have to say about how they could have missed him well they simply said that they just missed him claire like Mm. that's all but there are some really intriguing theories about this later again i've been saying this all episode Hold that thought. We're going to talk about it. But the family does call in investigators to come in and survey the scene on their own. They don't find much direct evidence near the scene, at least nothing they discuss publicly. But they do make some pretty interesting findings when it comes to Alonzo's autopsy. The medical examiner didn't find any physical injuries on Alonzo, no penetrating wounds that would indicate he was stabbed or shot, and there weren't any bruises either, which would have indicated he had been beaten to death or maybe fell and died. In fact, the autopsy specifically notes that the medical examiner doesn't believe he had been beaten up or fell at all. Similarly, too, there wasn't any water in his lungs, which would have been a telltale sign that he had drowned. Now, the medical examiner doesn't rule that out, though, entirely as a cause of death, but simply says, that there were no signs of it. Lastly, and possibly most importantly, at least in my opinion, most of the soft tissue around his neck had decayed significantly and been damaged by animals and insects because of how long he had been out there. That made it hard to tell if he had been possibly strangled, so their options are slimming and slimming and slimming. So the medical examiner says that they are not able to determine a cause of death, and therefore they couldn't determine a manner of death either. They label both of those as undetermined on the autopsy. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. Frustration is not even the right word, but how that would feel after having to find the body yourself, and then they're like, it's undetermined. What about, like, had they done, like, toxicology like poison or anything like that yeah i'm sh- i'm sure they they did right i mean again they yeah. would have i'm sure if they found poison in him they would have reported that um but which is again interesting because there are you know again as we know like a lot of you know um you know drugs that won't even show up in an autopsy so to- mm-hmm. or in a toxicology um and so toxicology reports uh, i kind of take with a grain of salt right because and there are also like a lot of chemicals that like show up that i'm like yeah no doubt you know but like Right. Like, it still could be signs of something else. So it's it's kind of complicated. I don't really know how mm-hmm. much I love toxicology reports, if we're being honest. Um, and Well, whatever. I'll get on that soapbox another day. But, um, yeah, but to your point, though, about the frustration, right, about how, you know, if, if, you know, you have to do everything, you have to do everything yourself and you still don't even get really the full answers. And also, again, too, if you're if you're going off the assumption here that he was just missed and, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're going off of the, the frustration that, you know, this was not a thorough, thorough search, this was not a thorough investigation, uh, you know, of this property, um, and you're now telling me on the back end of this that it's too that he's been out there for too long to determine right. how he died. Well, that's true. I'd be so mad, and I'd be yeah. like, "Well, I feel like the investigators didn't try that hard, and 
some I feel like now the medical examiner just isn't trying that hard either. Like right, it's just right. I could not right. live with that undetermined like of no. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, now investigators do say something really interesting though, Claire, about the circumstances surrounding Alonzo's death. Now, they can't really do much considering the medical examiner's undetermined ruling, right? Like, that really ties investigators' hands. But they do say publicly that they do suspect foul play. But they fall short of calling his death a straight-up homicide. And they add that the circumstances were, quote, very suspicious. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what they meant by that. Especially... If everything is undetermined, yet they suspect right. foul play. Well, you know, it could be because of the fights from the party, potentially, and the fact that there was someone at the party who clearly didn't like him because of the color of his skin. But, you know, it's not officially clear on any documentation. But while investigators don't clear that up publicly, what the family says may provide a bit of a clue into that. It comes actually from Alonzo's brother, who was there when the family and volunteers found his body on May 1st. And based on what Alonzo told reporters, he seemed to be side-eyeing the circumstances surrounding Alonzo's death beyond the obvious reasons. To him, his brother's body didn't seem to be as decomposed as it should have been. Now, as far as I can tell, Zoe's brother, you know, is not a trained pathologist or investigator or what have you, so take this as you will. But the point is that the assumption to the average person here is that Alonzo was in the creek for a certain amount of time and then washed up on shore at some point, right? But in his opinion, the state of his body doesn't support that necessarily. It seemed to be pretty well preserved and didn't look as though it had been in water for a prolonged period of time or even outside in the elements all that time either, especially considering search crews said uh, up and down that they had searched every single inch of the property, including that creek. Yeah, that's crazy. That's interesting because I've kind of briefly had the same thought back when you were saying that it was, you know, not clear if there had been any strangulation because of some decomposition of the body but I feel like after that long I mean again I don't know but I just feel like after that long you'd be like pretty decomposed or especially if there's water involved so that is interesting well and so again like you have to like take it with it with the perspective of like this is like a someone who's like already suspicious of the investigation right so like from that perspective Mm -hmm. but also someone who like doesn't really have again as far as i can tell like any trained background here and so like take that as you may but like i also feel like like if he felt that enough to say it then he probably that is probably at least semi-obvious yeah, because if it wasn't, you'd just sound like you were just making it up. But right. so if he, if they don't think he was where he was that whole time, did they have any thoughts as to where he might have been instead? Well, you know, there is actually this really interesting theory that is based pretty much entirely out of rumors around town, Claire. But it's important to note here that in this episode of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries, the leaders of the search crews even give the questions surrounding his location for that whole time a little bit of air. The search crew member says that he's not sure Alonzo was in the water either. Again, this is like a really small creek, three feet deep at its deepest point, and he seems to be pretty convinced that if he was in the water at the time that they would have found him because the current you know wasn't all that strong to move him significantly and he said the rainfall wasn't such that it would have risen levels to to put him up in the banks either all that much so like Mm -hmm. what happened so that gives life to a lot of town rumors as you can imagine about alonzo's death but one in particular really takes off 
It's this theory that Alonzo was in fact not in that brush for that whole month, but instead was moved there afterwards. And the town floats that they believe it's possible he had been frozen in the meantime. Frozen? Frozen. This theory, like, really takes off, you know, around Lacine, and interestingly, the coroner that does the autopsy says it's possible, but to be clear, doesn't say whether he does or does not believe it to be true. He says in that episode of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries that the state of Alonzo's body was consistent with being near the creek for about 30 days, but he says it's possible that he could have been in there for less time than that. Now, here's where the coroner gives this theory some room. He says that there would have been some pretty crystal clear evidence found on someone who had been frozen immediately after their body thaws. But after a while, that evidence ends up going away, and there's no proof left that the body was ever frozen. Weird. Interesting. I mean, then that would, you know, change the thought of, well, why didn't the police find him? I mean, maybe he wasn't there. Well, and so there's like there's a couple different like thoughts around around this, right? And we're gonna like talk about this a lot right here. So like hold on to your glasses for sure, because we have I have a lot to say. But like point like so there like to your point, right? Like if he wasn't there, right? Like if he if if you know the whole time the investigators and the search crews were looking for him, he was not where he he ended up being found. Like there's this thought around. Okay, well then, uh, like if he was actually moved there afterwards, after the search had ended in some way, shape, or form, like, how long had he been sitting there? And I would be curious to know, like, what he, like, how long it would have taken for those, like, for that evidence to, like, be non-existent. I would imagine it probably fluctuates depending on what it is. Um, But, like, point being is, because it didn't really, like, not a whole lot of time had passed. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it would, like, it didn't really seem as though, like, like, there was enough time for him to thaw considerably, Unless mm-hmm. he had been frozen, unfrozen, and then moved there. So, point being is, like, is like that doesn't really seem to line up. But then there's also, like, this other part of, like, like some doubt cast on, like, the property owners slash the people renting the property. Because, basically, so if you remember, like, way back, this was, like, a kind of a minor detail. Um, but when the family had decided they, that they were going to organize their own search, they asked police for permission. Police gave them permission. But then the police had also asked the property owners, like, hey, like, we're going to do this. Like, it's on their property. They still technically have to do that. And so um, so the so point being is, like, is like the property owners were aware And so there's, like, a little bit of doubt point being around, like, okay, like, if the property owners were aware, who else was aware? And so, like, maybe the people who knew Alonzo had been frozen were aware that they were about to to do this search. And so, okay, well, let's now Mm -hmm. feels like the time to move him to where they ended up finding him. Again, going down this theory that he was moved. I mm-hmm. don't really know how like what to what to do with that. Um because again, like it's either it's either a very thorough search or it's not. And like if you're gonna say it's not a thorough search, then like you can't also say that he was moved, in my opinion. Um because if if it wasn't a thorough search, then like that feels like the right answer to say that mm-hmm. he wasn't that he was just missed. But if it was a thorough search, then like that obviously gives a lot more room to that. He was moved there at some point, because if you really looked at every single inch of that Creek, then, then the only logical explanation is that he wasn't there. I would think too, like if they had really thoroughly investigated the area and then he was moved, they would be able to go back and see if there was any evidence of a body being dragged or footprints or something. 
something right mm-hmm. yeah no and again it, like a again period a period of time had passed but like but again so like i'm assuming that like maybe that maybe they have like a week notice if they had if they had any at all mm-hmm. um for the, that the search was going to happen and so i just can't i don't know i'm not a scientist not an investigator not a medical examiner um but i just can't imagine that if a bot that, that a body like a whole entire body that had been frozen for like what a little less than a month could have completely thought out and all that evidence based on what this medical examiner said about how this would have worked and all that evidence would have just disappeared in a week yeah it seems like there would be very clear evidence that it was frozen so is this like frozen theory like a random theory or is it did someone know something or try to cover something up with that theory (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And again, like we're feeding into this strictly off of town rumors, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's not based off of any kind of physical evidence, but like it would make sense if he was preserved, but like would it make sense if he was if, if for him to be thawed out? Like, I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I go in circles with that part, <laughs> but that right. I, it, I don't know. I don't know how how else how else, what else to make of that, Claire. Yeah, I mean, would it would someone preserve better if they were indoors than outdoors? I honestly have no idea. Like you said, I'm not a scientist or a coroner or yeah. anything, clearly. So, yeah, I mean, I would imagine they would preserve better inside, but not much. Yeah, I don't know. It's also been a month. I mean, unless uh, here's another thought, like that I didn't ever, never really considered until just now. Like, who's to even say that he died that night? Right, right. Like mm-hmm. maybe he was taken somewhere like put like locked in a room i I don't know that that's just yeah total total random theory but then but again he was decomposed enough for like the like the skin around his neck to be um to have been you know decomposed if you remember probably by animals and stuff i don't know i thought that they could tell like a basic time of death but again what do i know i mean that's so true maybe he was trapped somewhere like yeah, and then well, so there's this there's this thing um called it's called rigor mortis. Once rigor mortis had set up set in, it, it basically like it's when your entire body is like done. Um, it's once that once that sets in, it's like impossible to 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 determine cause of death. You can mm-hmm. kind of figure it out, like give like a real rough estimate, um, but it's not super clear, and certainly more than like I, rigor mortis sets in. I mean like in a day like mm, uh, like okay. like at, at, at minimum and so um so yeah certainly rigor mortis had like long passed since then okay yeah well you know those you know weren't the only rumors flying around lacine though claire about alonzo brooks bizarre death other rumors revolved around the woman he was seen flirting with possibly that her boyfriend may have been at the party other rumors revolve around Alonzo Brooks' race, that someone or maybe even a lot of people may have had a problem with Alonzo simply because he was black. And investigators actually back that up, saying that they believe the suspicious death may have been racially motivated, but again, they stopped short, saying that it was a straight-up homicide. But despite the rumors, the FBI, which had stepped in to lead the investigation just over a month after Alonzo's body was found, had declared the case a cold case, and were now asking for leads to guide further investigative measures. But if those leads ever came, they never led to anything substantive, because months go by from there, and then years. 
and then more than a decade, Claire. Almost 15 years to the day passed with little to no word about Alonzo's investigation beyond the rumors that had run rampant at this point and then died out around town. In March of 2019, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, which was supporting the FBI in this investigation, released a statement about Alonzo's death, saying that there was, quote, no evidence that Alonzo was the victim of a crime and that the case was closed. That's weird. Like, exactly 15 years later and random. Like, that sounds like something prompted them to say that. Why would they just close it? Well, it kind of... Well, to be clear, they said that it had been closed. Like, they didn't okay. just close it that day. Yeah, okay. That it was, a, it was a closed case is what they said. But, you know, it's likely because, um, you know, they start hearing that a powerhouse had started to poke around Alonzo's case. A powerhouse by the name of Netflix. Crime Over Wine is proud to support Emancipet. Unlike episodes of Crime Over Wine, veterinary care shouldn't be a mystery, which is why Emancipet is making vet care affordable and accessible to everyone. Emancipet is a nonprofit organization that operates an ever-expanding network of low-cost veterinary clinics in neighborhoods across the country, offering discounted and free vaccines, flea and tick treatments, spay and neuter surgeries, and much more. Learn more and support Emancipet's mission at emancipet.org. Alonzo's family had said that around 2017 to 2018, they had gotten a call from producers with Unsolved Mysteries, which was rebooting the show on Netflix. That clearly moved the needle for investigators because more than a year after that statement, the FBI announced that they had reopened the case, citing new leads and renewed interest in the case thanks to the impending release of that episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Wow. Okay, so the leads were a result of the episode it was um a result of like talk that there was going to be an episode on the Mm -hmm. on the like just strictly based off of like his name coming back up in around town um the episode had not even released yet Ooh, that's interesting so what were these leads well they don't talk a lot about what all of those leads were claire but they do say that they learned about something that they hadn't heard of 15 years ago And it was a totally separate party that had started before the party that Alonzo went to. Now, I'm not totally clear if Alonzo and his friends went to this party, but apparently at that party, a fight had broken out, sending a group from that party to the farmhouse where Alonzo and his friends were. And so as a result of learning this new information, investigators start asking people from that second party to come forward to give information about who was there and what had happened throughout the night. Interestingly, too, in the process of reinvestigating Alonzo's case, they also said that they were indeed investigating whether or not Alonzo had been murdered. All right. So that would be kind of like the first time they were daring to tiptoe around the word homicide. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like they were like they kind of said again, they said foul play. Mm -hmm. They said that this is that the circumstances were suspicious, but they definitely never said like straight up murder. Um, until now, right? Yeah. Like that, like, again, what, uh, 16 years later to spout. Um, so that that's kind of where we're at. It also, and I could be completely wrong here, but just the initial feeling I get when I hear that there was word going around town that there that Netflix was working on this episode and then there's leads coming in, I get like a red flag that's like, is someone trying to cover up their tracks now? What do you, what do you mean? 
like, is somebody nervous that now this case is going to get all this attention again and people are going to start looking into what happened and so they want to control the stories they're they're worried about getting mm. caught for something oh interesting yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily put it past like you know again like like uh like someone who has enough influence to um to get away with this kind of thing in a crowd of 100 people yeah. um ish right like to to also have the influence to you know guide the guide the narrative when his name all of a sudden comes back up in the news yeah i mean i and i have no idea what's going to happen so i i'm probably yeah. speaking way out of turn but i'm just like no that sounds like a perfect opportunity to be like oh no this like other group of people from some other party showed up right <laughs> oh, oh 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 yeah yeah yeah. no that's a good point though right like all of a sudden there's like this new group of people that like nobody can get in touch with right that's such a good point yeah 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 no that that's such a good point yeah right and like nobody seems to know who these people are right mm-hmm. yeah so true yeah so okay so anyway how are they going to reinvestigate whether he had actually been murdered? Well, you know, just about a month after the FBI announced that they had reopened Alonzo's case, investigators announced that they were going to exhume his body. Again, you know, a pretty significant move. We don't see that all that often in the grand scheme of things, but it was probably important for them to do that because apparently, Claire, there were some serious concerns about the validity of Alonzo's original autopsy. Okay, so yeah, what are, what are those concerns? Well, they're actually concerns concerns about the person who actually performed the autopsy. Apparently, the medical examiner has had some issues in the past that force people to side-eye his work at the very least. The medical examiner came to Lacine from upstate New York, where he had been asked to resign for alleged misconduct. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, he had been harvesting organs without family members' permission and had also been improperly storing skeletons in his office. Now, he has never been criminally charged for this, but he there are, you know, legitimate sources that say that he was asked to resign in disgrace and ended up moving to Kansas after that scandal, where he got the job in the Lynn County Medical Examiner's office in Lacey in Kansas. Oh my god, who hired this guy? <laughs> yeah. Don't love that, right? And, like, again, like, this is not, like, this is, like, a separate thing from, like, like, mishandling, you know, autopsies, right? But, like, so, like, it's not, I don't know. Like, you're weird, and this is an odd thing, but, like, I have no reason to believe, I suppose, that this medical examiner was, like, like, doing wrong things when he was, like, actually performing Mm -hmm. autopsies like in doing reports like and again like it feels weird even saying that because it's like obviously he was up to some really weird stuff with bodies but like it's not necessary but like like point being is like it's apples to oranges here a little bit in terms of like misconduct i feel like is that fair yeah i i get what you're saying like what he was doing is not necessarily had anything to do with a different like kind of cases up. or facts. Correct. And right. Also, right. If he was like lying on autopsy reports, okay, don't don't believe this dude. But that's not really what we're talking he was about. Another here. kind I, of like dimension. Correct. <laughs> correct. But correct, I'm. Um, <laughs> this is probably a weird thought to have, but I'm like, you hear har- harvesting organs and skeletons, and you're like, oh my god. But if you I don't, know what he was doing with them. I don't even want to know what he was doing. I don't even want to know. Like you're around right. organs and skeletons all the time, so I can't even like compare my life to Yeah, that's that. fair. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, but like, so like different, but like, uh, like similar ish enough, I guess, in terms of like misconduct that you're like, it's, it's fair, I suppose, to like, to raise a flag and like, and like give a little side eye to like, like what he was actually doing and mm-hmm. like how, like how like legit were his reports. It's fair. Like, I think to like to, to that point, right? Yeah. Like you, you at least, the very least want to like, like check your, check his work. Right. right, because that opinion. just doesn't sound like someone who's stable and you don't really want to... Should not be checking out bodies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nope. Um, you know, but unfortunately, you know, when they did exhume his body, they didn't find anything new. So that ended up being a dead end, Claire. Mm. Today, investigators say that they believe someone, likely multiple people, know what really happened to Alonzo. They still want to talk to that woman he was seen flirting with that night and tried to identify her. And they still want to talk to anyone who was at that second party that took place before the one Alonzo was at. So if you are any of these people or know someone who is, call the FBI Kansas City office at 816-512-8200. We're also going to put that number in our show notes and on our website, too. There is a $100,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest. But for now, kind of an abrupt ending here, Claire, but that's all that we have for you. Um, So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you, Liam, for keeping me up. For the next 100 nights, wondering <laughs> what happened. <laughs> I mean, like, and like, I try to, like, I compare everything back to Ray Rivera, in my opinion. Um, I still think Ray Rivera is just the most, um, well, actually, Robert Wan has to be probably the most, like, insane, mm-hmm. bizarre case that I've ever heard. Um, but Ray Rivera is up there. Like, in terms of, like, yeah, well, and, and just specifically in terms of, like, how did you die i feel like alonzo and ray kind of similar in that right respect, right like they were both found and then it was like the story of how did this happen and so i'm so caught up right. here on the whole thing we we're talking about where they never found the body was that the investigators right overlooking something purposely overlooking something or was he really not there so that's just crazy these poor yeah. people these poor people having to live yeah. wondering that yeah and you know i go back to kind of how we teed this whole thing up is like this doesn't seem fair mm-hmm. right like it doesn't seem it's because it seems as though like like if if things had been like pretty like thorough enough like if if lynn county medical examiner's office didn't hire someone who was known to like do weird things with bodies like maybe we would have a little bit like we would feel a little bit better about this like maybe we still wouldn't know what happened to Alonzo or how all this stuff happened, but we would have a whole lot less questions. Right. Um, and so I feel like that would, would have been a win in my book, mm-hmm. right? Like just, to, just to like feel a little bit better about this whole thing. Yeah. And just feel, just feel validated and just not like they mm-hmm. had to go find this on their own. Like it was just like, it's never going right. to be found. And they're like, well, it's right here. That would be so invalidating and at least to just feel like people really like cared when it when they needed to care not 15 years later like when they needed to care right yeah that is that's awful yeah well again i'm going to repeat that number again one more time it's the fbi kansas city office um 816-512-8200 um and again that number is on our website in our show notes call in um i mean if you know if you know anything or you think you know something or know someone who knows something there were a lot of people at that party Mm -hmm. right that's all right and those people all know people and oh my gosh correct yeah small town small town 
Well, um, t- Claire, tell everyone where they can find you and your work online. All right. Well, how do I even explain it? Um, right now, I guess you would find most of my work at visitestispark.com. I moved from the world of news reporting to the world of public relations, and we kind of mix in um, some on-camera stories with that. But instead of reporting news, I'm talking about elk and believe it or not like frozen dead guys we have a frozen dead man here in estes park oh gosh <laughs> um we have but i get to do transition but... crazy stories <laughs> um and then i also do work for um my dad's uh production company the rocky mountain channel um on that end i get to host fun things like the holiday parade and uh yeah all kinds of fun stuff if you Check out Nick Molle Productions or the Rocky Mountain Channel or visit us just park. You will find some of the stuff I do. Well, thank you again so much for coming on, Claire. And thank you all so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories, too. And if you are just loving this podcast and are just looking for a way to tell everyone and anyone about it, the best way to help people discover this podcast is by leaving us a five-star rating and a review wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're wondering what we have in store for you next week, here's a quick sneak peek. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. And I'm Sam Pena. I'm joining the Crime Vineyard next week with a web of lies and conflicting information that will lead us all to the same question. Where is Marsha Brantley? You are not going to want to miss this one. There's so much to unpack here, but we will tell you every single detail about it next Wine Wednesday on another episode of Crime Over Wine. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.